I'm Raina. And I'm Megan. Welcome to the Shh Don't Talk About It podcast, where we talk about all the things we need to say out loud, but think that we can't. We're going to talk about all the things. We're going to shed light on them. We're going to embrace them and we're going to fucking love them. So join us on this journey as we get rid of shame and start talking about it. Welcome to season four, episode four, The Truth is in Your DNA with Alexis. Hi, Alexis. Welcome. Welcome back. Thank you. Welcome back to the Shh, Don't Talk About It podcast. <laughs> Happy to be here. We're so excited to have you tonight and really honored that you're coming to share your story um, because it is a wild one and it's also something that more and more people are starting to experience. So tonight, um, Alexis is on. Well, first, people might remember Alexis from our second season of the pod. She was season two, episode one, came on to talk about postpartum anxiety. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Episode two, talking about postpartum anxiety, which actually that's like our most downloaded episode ever. Oh, so baby. You're... Oh, baby. Yeah. I think that's the name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's what we called it. So you're like a star to our <laughs> listeners, actually. So Alexis from the postpartum anxiety episode is back with us tonight Yes. Um, to talk about something completely different, although still really anxiety provoking. So um, Alexis found out about a year ago that one of her parents is uh, not biologically her parent. She had what is called a non-parental experience. Um, We're going to get into your story about this, of course, but I wanted to just first start by having you share why you agreed to come on our pod. Um, She has her own, we'll plug it at the end of the show, um, to talk about this. And then maybe if you could define some of the terms, because it's like, there's a whole world for of people there is into and like a lot of language and terminology around it there is so I think the the biggest one in this world which I kind of call the DNA surprise world um is also the name of her pod (laughs) (laughs) gotta plug a little yeah a little plug in there DNA surprise yes uh, but it's it's called an NPE, like Megan said, and people define that a couple of different ways. One is non-paternal event. So when you find out that your dad isn't your dad, it's been broadened to be a non-parental event as well. So it's mm-hmm. the way I describe it is it is a noun as in the event itself is called an NPE, but then the people that experience those events are also called NPEs. So I'm an NPE and I had an NPE. There's also MPE, which is misattributed parentage event. Um, Other common like abbreviations are BCF, for birth certificate father, because a lot of times people are finding out that their birth certificate father is not their biological father. So usually fathers, is that what you're finding in the community? It's most often fathers for obvious reasons. Um, You know, some mothers pregnant. And so that child is usually genetically related to um, their, their birth mother Although that is not always the case, there's also cases of donor conception where somebody might have had a donor egg and then been pregnant with a donor egg. Um, and those people also have DNA surprises. Those are DCPs or donor conceived people. So DCPs can have NPEs and Gosh. so can adoptees. And one of the most common um, acronyms for adoptees that have DNA surprises is LDA, so late discovery adoptee. Mm -hmm. And that is defined anytime after the age of three. If someone finds out that they were adopted after they were three years old, that is considered a late discovery. Wow. So there's a lot of terminology in that world and it can be very Mm -hmm. confusing, but those are the big ones. Okay. Just the fact that there's so much terminology around it tells, I think tells us that this is some, this is like a whole community of people who have had to like 
I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Find ways to identify themselves to talk about these, what sound really clinical and acronymy experiences, Mm -hmm. but I know from watching you go through it, it's actually like enormous, it's hugely traumatic and it seems like all of the acronyms kind of add up to people trying to find a way to define themselves to find community. Yes, absolutely. Um, Some of these are actual genealogical terms. So people that are really into family trees and histories and things like that. Um, But I do think that the fact that there's language for it means that it is common. It is, it is something that happens. It's estimated that 5% of the population has misattributed paternity in some capacity. So if you were to translate that to the U.S., that's about 16 million people, which is a lot. Um, lot. And a lot of people don't know, obviously, there aren't 16 million people who discover this, but that's about how many of us could be out there. That's crazy. And I could only imagine that ever since DNA was a thing over the last, what, Oh my gosh, like 40 years now, like 19 in the 1980s, right? DNA, like more and more. So who knows how many, you know, grandparents are out there, you know, people older that, um, that may not know this, you know? Yeah. I mean, commercial may not DNA test, Right. Yeah. yeah. Commercial DNA testing really got popular about a decade ago. Mm-hmm. The ancestry DNAs, the 23 and sure. And I think that's where people like me are starting to uncover a lot of it, but you're right. There's been DNA for a long time. I just don't think that people realize that, you know, we'd hop on Amazon, spend 50 bucks and then basically turn our lives upside down. I mean, that would be honestly the last thing that I would think about if I had a, did my own DNA testing was like, if my parents were really my parents, you know, that Mm -hmm. I just want to see what, part of my parents, I was. <laughs> exactly. Know? Yeah. Exactly. So that's yeah. crazy. So do we want to, do you want to start? 
like, how did this whole thing begin? How, where did you, did you get an Amazon test? Did you get it through? <laughs> like, was it gifted to you? How did this all begin? Yeah. So I took my test in June of 2021 and I, I bought it. It was an Amazon prime day deal and I'd had it on my wish list for years. Nobody bought it. And now in hindsight, I'm like, hmm, interesting. Um, but I bought it because I was just curious about my background, my ethnicity. Mm-hmm. I am biracial. I grew up with a white mom and a Mexican dad. Mm-hmm. And my paternal grandmother had been researching our indigenous roots and things like that at the time that she died, which was before ancestry and everything was really big. I was very curious about that. I thought it'd be an interesting thing to pick up. I didn't tell anyone that I was doing it. I didn't have any suspicions about my paternity and took the test. And then six weeks later, I got my results and I matched with my biological father, who who was uh, a black man. Oh my goodness. So you were finding out all at like all in one moment that your dad wasn't your biological father and that the racial identity you grew up with was not actually your racial identity. Exactly. Do you remember that moment? I do. I remember it very clearly. Um, I was, I had just taken a promotion at work, of course, and (laughs) was sitting, getting ready to get on a meeting. I got was just sitting, like looking at my phone, waiting for this call. And I got a notification that my ancestry results were ready. And I opened up my phone. The first thing I saw was my ethnicity breakdown. And Mm. I was, you know, looking like where in Mexico did I come Uh from? Like uh all of that. And there was nothing, no Latin origin at all. Nothing. Oh my gosh. And you're like, wait, is this me? Did they send me the right one? (laughs) I instantly was like, this is a mistake. Um, It showed that I primarily descended from like England, German, Scotland. I expected all of that. That's Mm -hmm. my mom. Mm -hmm. But then I saw Cameroon, Nigeria, Nigeria, um, Ghana, and also uh, early, early, um, early, like North Carolina, African Americans. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, this is obviously a mistake. They mixed up mm-hmm. my results. Yeah. Of course. Like, of course this would happen to me and you know, I'm going to have to call. And then I clicked over to my matches and that's where I saw that I had a parent-child match with somebody that I did not recognize, did not know, didn't, oh he didn't gosh. have like his name on the result. It was like a username. So I couldn't even really tell who he was. I had matches with a half sibling and two half siblings actually. And then what I saw that made me realize that it might not be a mistake is that I matched with my mom's brother, my uncle. Oh, and so then I'm like, okay, it can't be a partial mistake. I don't think that's possible with DNA. Mm. So what is this? That's so, like the oh shit moment. Oh yeah. Did your stomach just like drop or what? I'll, like, ah. I, I felt just, I think I just dissociated instantly yeah. at that point. I called my sister and said, this says that I have a different dad. And what is this? And she was just like, um, I have no idea. Maybe you should call mom. I called my mom. She was shocked. Shocked that I found out, I think, but her tone wasn't right. It was like, this, you know, she said, mm. this is really shocking, but just like that, <laughs> which was not like, you not know, like, it wasn't like, oh, oh my God. God. Yeah, that's <laughs> impossible, you know? Right. Yeah. Oh, and no. So then yeah. I'm like, I've got to get on my meeting. So I hang up, I get on this call. 
Oh my I don't gosh, remember anything. I, meeting. <laughs> I, this is Megan knows me. We're both like this. Like, it's fine. It's fine. My world's falling apart. I'm going to jump on teams right now. Um, oh I still so, can't believe that you worked that day. <laughs> so I, I got on my call, went through it. And then after that, um, my husband was, of course, out of town and I couldn't reach him. So I tried calling. He didn't answer. And then at that point, I called Megan. And I just instantly was like, my dad's not my dad and, and was just completely devastated. Wow. And then really spent the rest of the day dissociating. I don't really remember much of, of what happened mm-hmm. the following few days. So um, my mom texted me later and said that she and my dad had been seeing other people at the time that she got pregnant. And so it was possible. So I always knew that they were not married when I was born, um, that they, the story was that she had gotten pregnant really quickly after they met and decided not to get married right away because she wanted to make sure that it was like a sure thing. She wasn't going to get married just because she was pregnant. Like I always kind of saw it as this feminist story. And so when she said we were seeing other people when I got pregnant, it's possible I was still devastated, but I still didn't know the story. So that wasn't the full story. No, yeah, that was not the full story. And the fact that my parents were really quiet that first day just told me that something was wrong. Something was not right with the way that they were behaving. My dad didn't call me. He didn't come over. I just knew that something was off. So the next day they came over and they like sit down on my couch. My mom's just crying. My dad says to me, I met you and your mom at the oh. same time when you were two oh months my old. Gosh. So what it turned out is that my mom had been dating someone. It was um, an abusive relationship. And he was not happy about her pregnancy. They broke up and she went through her pregnancy alone and had me alone and then met my dad when I was two months old. Mm. And when he met me, he decided that he wanted to raise me as his own. And they agreed to do that. Mm. And I think that story in and of itself is there's something very beautiful about that and noble. And I understand what my dad was wanting to do and and what my mom was wanting to do as well. Mm -hmm. The unfortunate part of that story though, is that the person that they believed was my biological father was not, they believed that my biological father was this, um, was a Puerto Rican man. That was my mom's boyfriend. I don't know the circumstances, if it was on again, off again, or what exactly happened, but that was not the father. That's not my father. And my father was, um, you know, a nice man who I assume they maybe had just a one night stand. They don't remember each other. Mm -hmm. And, but she believed that my father was this other person. So all my life, they thought I was Puerto Rican, like Mm -hmm. a Puerto Rican Mm -hmm. child. So they were just as surprised as I was to learn that I was actually black. Mm -hmm. Um, and then at that point, I mean, I I just sort of began my healing journey. I tried to jump into everything right away, but that's the gist of what happened and how I found out. Wow. That is so crazy. Oh, after all this time, after, I don't, I know you didn't share how old you were, but I mean, if you wanted to, you can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So okay. I, I'm 30. Six years old. So I found okay. out at I was 35, but almost 36 years old. Oh. And at Megan knows um, mm-hmm. my whole life I've been questioned what my ethnicity was. I I remember meeting you. And yeah. I think that was that no, that was a question. Is like, do you think she because um you asked what ethnicity I thought you were? I know we were talking about it because I'm I'm also, you know, biracial and so 
you're like, I'm biracial too. And then what do you think I'm half with? And I was, uh, I thought it was black and you're like, nope, it was, it's Mexican, you know, or like, okay, I can see that too. You know, exactly. Like I can pass. And I think that was, I hate to say the luxury that my parents had, but in a way kind of, Mm -hmm. because it wasn't obvious. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. people uh, would assume maybe that I was biracial, black, but then other people thought I was Hawaiian. Other people thought I was uh, Italian. I got all sorts of things, and yeah. when I would tell people Mexican, they'd go, "Okay." Like nobody was like, "No, that is not possible." Mm-hmm. So that was just a shock to think, "Oh, all this time I've been denying that." And it's actually true. Yeah. Because like when we, that's something you said really early on, I think it was like the second or third day. And we were talking about this and you were like, all my life, people have been saying that they think I'm black and have been denying it. And so this feeling of like, I've been denying who I am because people Mm -hmm. would absolutely, when we were younger, clock you as like biracial black. Um, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, all of us would be like, okay, Mexican, except for our one other friend that yes. was also biracial black. And he was like, I don't think so. Actually, he's such a smart ass know-it-all that when Alexis found out, I was like, don't tell Craig that he was right. I don't want him to be right. True. But and then- always clocked you as that. And you were always like, no, I don't know. Yeah. What about. And so it was this like, it almost seemed to me like it was like, there's the shock of the parentage. There's the shock of finding out you're a different ethnicity. And then I've never asked you this, but I couldn't tell if you were like grappling with like a feeling of like guilt or some kind of bad feeling about like having been observed as black and denying it, thus to like denying yourself and your, your culture and your history. I could, there's not, there was no reason for you to claim it, but you said a lot over the last year, like, I, you know, I would deny it. I feel so weird that I would deny it. And I just feel like I was watching you have this real in like identity, not, I don't know if crisis is the right word, but something was going on there that seemed like a mix of like curiosity and discovery and guilt. Yeah. I mean, Megan, you know, Megan's known me a long time and I've always been drawn to Black culture. I mean, a a lot of people are like, it's awesome, but there's been so many things that I've liked, but I felt like I have to keep my distance from because it's not for me or, you know, that's not part of my culture and don't try to act a certain way. Don't try to appropriate like Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. And then I, I remember having these discussions, like with my sisters, for example, about feeling weird that people might clock me as black and treat me that way, but I can't claim that experience because I'm not, I'm Mm. biracial and I'm ambiguous and that's not my story. That's not my experience. I don't own that. That doesn't belong to me. Mm -hmm. And kind of telling myself that my whole life. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden to be like, okay, well, actually this was my experience and this is who I am, but also I wasn't raised in it and I've been accepted as not being part of that. And so where do I land now? So I would say it's definitely been like an identity crisis because culturally, I mean, I live in Arizona. There are no black people here. I have not been raised in a black culture by any means. I mean, luckily my parents are military. So I grew up on a military base and I think I was exposed to more diversity because of that, but not in the true sense. Like I wasn't immersed. And so I've spent the last year trying to figure out where do I land? How do I identify? How do I catch up in a way? when I haven't been exposed to all of these things and how comfortable do I feel saying I'm black, right? Because I haven't been to my knowledge for, Mm -hmm. you know, almost 40 years. Yeah. That's so fascinating and heavy and confusing. And I can't, I mean, that's so just out of no, out of the blue, just, yeah. 
And then you have to unpack all these things of your whole childhood and just all these like, you know, memories and, you know, yeah, that's, that's intense, Alexis. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you have been going through a process. I want to get back to talking about your family, that your parents who raised you in a little bit, but I think you've been going through this process of reconnection with your biological father, reconnection with your actual like racial history and, um, and culture. And that's, it's been very interesting to watch. And you had this maybe kind of lucky experience of like the, your biological father is a wonderful person and you've, you've gotten the chance to connect with that family. I wonder if you can talk a bit about like what that's, what that's been like. Yeah. What is, what was that story like for him? Like to bring that up? Like, how did you find him and like all the things? Yeah. So after I matched with him, um, I instantly went into Google stalker mode, which I'm very good at anyway. So oh, yeah. If you like... ever have someone that you need to like have an FBI level background check on. Alexis is your is your lady. <laughs> so I knew you were going to find them because you're oh, yeah. a stalker. <laughs> I was I was made for this. Like honestly, I feel like I was training my whole life for this. So I instantly was like, okay, I need to figure out who this is. Within a couple of days, I was able to figure out who he was by looking through his family tree, finding some obituaries, seeing who the survivors were. He was one of a dozen children. So there were a lot of people to go through and try to figure out, okay, is it this one? And I remember at first I thought my uncle was him and I was like, oh, it's it's this guy. It's this guy. Then I found his page and luckily he just has documented his entire life like on Facebook. So I could see that he, he was stationed in the same place that my parents were and I knew it had to be him, but actually Um, Megan, I don't know if you remember this, but you gave me advice in the very beginning, which was to wait, to wait until I was okay with whatever outcome before I reached out and contacted them, which is great advice. I don't remember giving it, but that is really good advice because (laughs) what I've learned through this journey and being part of different communities and the podcast that I have is that a lot of families reject people. And I wasn't sure what my result was going to be. And I was still just trying to process everything. So I was going to wait. But um, my brother that I matched with talked about it with our sister and said, we have another sibling. And she wanted to reach out to me and he told her not to. He said, this girl might not know she's black. She might not want to be black. Like don't just go blow up her world right now by reaching out to her. Thankfully she did anyway. And so she called me or she Facebook messaged me three days after I found out. Oh, wait, can I, that's crazy, but can I rewind for a second? So do yeah. you get alerted when other people match with you? Because I've never done it, so I don't know what, yes. what happens. Yes, so when you get okay. your results, it'll go like, your results are ready, and, and that's how I found the match. You also will get emails as it goes saying, oh, you have a new DNA match, oh my and that gosh. kind of thing. So, okay. so that's how he found out. He got an email saying that he had a match, and when he opened it up, he saw he had a sister, which Oh, was my wild. gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you for explaining that. I was like, wait. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So she messaged me and was like, Hey, I think we might be related. Let me know if you want to talk. I understand if you don't. I was like, no, I think we are related. Let's talk. Here's Mm -hmm. my phone number. Or she might've given me her phone number. And then we talked, we talked for like 45 minutes at first time. And then she told me that she was going to let our father know that he needed to check his ancestry because he hadn't. And then she talked to him and he was like, oh, you have a a third cousin named Alexis. That's who that is. Mm -hmm. He was just like, no, that's not. Because he didn't get the email saying you have a new match. Uh So then he logged in and he saw me. He sent me a message right away. 
And so within that first week, I'd connected with them and we started talking a lot. And then in November of last year, 2021, I flew out there with my husband and met them. And then I went back in December for my sister's wedding and we still talk regularly. And actually later this month of August, I'm going to a family reunion. Oh my gosh. Wait, hold on. Let me just rewind for a second. This all came out in 2021, like last year, July 22nd. Yes. So a a year. I know you, I know you said it earlier. It was a year, but now I'm just like, now we're in it. So I'm like, well, all of this has happened so quickly. And the relationships that have, that you've built with these newfound family members, like it's Wow. I feel, (laughs) I feel so, yeah, it's a lot, but I feel so, so grateful. I was just talking about it earlier today. Like I really am Uh one of the lucky ones in the sense that he's been completely open. He has no bitterness, no resentment about missing, you know, time lost or anything like that. We're just kind of embracing the time we have. And yeah. um, one of the things I'm most excited about is I'm actually going to meet my 95 year old grandfather oh while gosh. I'm there. So that makes me want to cry. Yeah. In a good way. Like that's yeah. so incredible. Yeah. It's, and I've never really had a grandfather growing up. So the fact right. that I'm getting this opportunity is I'm just so thankful. And even um, just today, I was t- actually talking with my bio father about our plans for while we're there. And he's like, and, and you'll get to sit down with the elders and hear about history. And so I think that piece of it has been huge in getting to connect with that side of my family and learn more about where I came from. When I visited them in November, they took me to a, an African-American history museum yeah. and you know, I just saw it through new eyes because mm-hmm. it was my history. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a trip. My mm-hmm. gosh. My gosh. And it's just so, yeah, I guess, you know, like you said, it could definitely go either way, but it it is so beautiful that, that he embraced and your, your siblings have embraced you and, and you're learning from each other through all of this. You're learning more about yourself and your family, you know, your family. I think that's such a beautiful thing. And it just shows kind of also, you know, where you come from, even though you didn't know it, you mm-hmm. you can now see what probably similarities with on all oh, of you guys. Totally. Yeah. Um, you know, it's there have been things that I've always felt. So in the NPE community, there's this phrase that's thrown around. It's not unique to the NPE community, but it's the unthought known. And it's this idea that we we know things deep inside without thinking them sometimes consciously. Mm-hmm. So I've always felt different from my raised family for different reasons. I'm mm-hmm. very blunt. I can be very type A, hyper-organized. Mm-hmm. Like there have just always been things where I have just felt different. And, and I would have these conversations with my husband, like, why did I turn out like this? I don't understand. My parents didn't raise me to be like this. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, college, for example, like my parents wanted me to go to college, but they weren't like, okay, let's sit down and fill out college applications and let's go do all these things. Like a lot of my ambition and stuff, I was always like, where does this come from? Mm -hmm. And then I've learned that my bio father is a super ambitious person, has done all these things in his career. Um, when we were going to visit, he sent me his, he sent me a list of hotels to stay at in like order of his personal preference. And I was like, oh, okay. That's very you. Yes, exactly. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So, so comforting. You know, yes. Yes, 100%. To get to know yourself through other people or, you know, I don't know. It's just how beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that idea of the un, the unthought known. Yeah, that is true. Like that, I mean, you even lived in North Carolina for a handful of years. And I remember when you decided to move, you were like, I don't know, I just feel drawn there. Yeah. And it doesn't it turn out that you were like, not that far from where your 
family was living? Yeah. So we moved there um, shortly after we got married in 2011. And it turns out that we lived about an hour from where my father was raised. Oh my gosh. That is crazy to me. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. All these like synchronicities that you figure out later on in life, like this is why that's yeah. just so fascinating mm-hmm. and such a gift and a weird, like yes. a roundabout way. I mean, but you know, it happened and like what you have made from it and continue to make from it and experience from it, take from it. Like that's just, that's mind blowing. And it's, I, I just love that your family um, is super accepting of it, you know, yeah. like your newfound family. Just yes. Well, so that yes. makes me want to ask about. So there's this gift of like finding this new family and getting to know them, and you also have the family that raised you. You have your mom, your dad, yeah. your two sisters, and this is a massive rupture in the family. It's 35 years of lies. Um, I do think that it is noble. The thinking behind it was noble. Like I, you know, dad meets this woman, loves her, loves this baby. I'm going to raise her as my own. Like I can, I can see it. Yes. Um, And yet like the keeping this big secret and then the finding out process was so massively harmful. And Mm I, I wonder if you can, like, can you, how much you feel comfortable talking about like how you've navigated this rupture with your family that raised you? Did it impact your relationship with your sisters? Um, what's it like, what's that been like with your parents? Cause this is a big, it's a big thing that they knew and you, and they've had like 35 years to know it. And you've just Mm -hmm. been spending, you've only had a year to figure out what it means for you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to talk about that side of it because even like with the DNA companies and stuff, like if you follow any of them on social media or you see commercials or you watch TV shows where they, where they emphasize that stuff or NPEs are actually really common in the media where somebody finds out who their real dad is and and all that. And um, I think it's, it's presented always as positive a positive discovery and not traumatic. And it is the most traumatic thing I've ever been through in my life. And I've been on the podcast before talking about a separation, talking about postpartum anxiety, you know, and, and everybody has lots of things that happen in their lives, but this was, I I don't know how to rank it, you know, on a scale yeah. of one to ten. Um, it was is so painful to know that my parents kept that from me and kept that identity, the truth of my origins, even if even if they'd only told me what they believed to be the truth, right? Because they didn't know either, mm-hmm. but they did know that my dad was not my biological father. Yeah. And I think it would have made it so much easier on my heart to have gone, oh, you know what? It's actually not that guy either. Right. <laughs> Whoops. Mm-hmm. Right. But they wouldn't have been lying to me. And there's another layer to it, which, you know, when they came over that day, I said, who all, who all knew? And I learned that my grandmothers knew, my aunts, oh, uncles second cousins. And I remember the first week, I think I watched the Truman show like three times because I was like, is this real life? What is happening? (laughs) That's how I felt. I felt like everyone around me knew something about me that I did not know and kept it from me willingly. Now I'm sure that they probably didn't think about it every day and it just became part of their life, what they accepted to be true, but to feel like everyone was part of this deception was really, really painful. My sisters did not know. So they also went through the shock of that deception as well. And I'll say nothing has changed. If anything, I've just grown closer to my sisters through this process, which I'm super grateful for. Um, 
but with my parents, it's, it's been hard, but things are not the same. Um, We're working on rebuilding our relationship. I think there's a lot of guilt and shame that they probably need to navigate. I mean, I don't want to speak for their feelings, but I think there's a lot of guilt. I know my dad particularly and my mom feel guilt about the fact that they kept me from someone who wasn't an abusive you know, person or, or wasn't this person that they thought he was. And I missed out on that. And, and I think they knew on some level that it wasn't right to keep that information from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that people don't consider for people who have NPE experiences is that my medical history was kept from me and it's huge. It is so huge. And to be honest, I never really thought about a lot of that stuff, like for donor conceived people and adoptees, how important that information is. But I've had things come up in my medical history where, you know, like I have high cholesterol and I've gone to my parents and been like, why do I have high cholesterol? Does it run in our family? I'm working out. I stopped eating red meat. It's not lowering. Like it's not doing the things that it should be based on the changes I've made. And they're like, no, no, we don't have it in our family. And I asked my dad, I was like, how, how could you answer that question? Knowing that your medical history doesn't mean anything to me. Right. And he was like, I I knew it wouldn't help, but I just answered. And I mean, I really think they would have probably taken it to the grave if I hadn't taken a test. Yeah. Did they have any intention ever? Like, what if like, yeah, something medical wise happened and like, why, you know, you don't, that needs to be raised as a possibility. At least you need to know that that was a possibility. Right. Absolutely. I mean, think if, if somebody needs a kidney, right? Like, and you're doing all these things. Yeah. And you have children that Mm -hmm. also have your DNA and you're now your bio, you know, and now, you know, your biological dad's DNA. I mean, there's certain things that are passed down, obviously, you know, that are, especially, you know, with African-Americans. Exactly. Yeah. That we, you need to know. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, again, I, I try to remind myself, okay, they didn't know. And, and this big joke, right. Is that they just like when we're sitting on the couch and I'm like, I'm, I'm black. And they're like, we thought you were Puerto Rican. And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you thought I was. You knew I wasn't Mexican. You knew (laughs) this wasn't my dad, but yeah, there's a lot of medical information that's especially important to know in the African-American community. And, you know, I'm grateful that I'm a pretty healthy person mm-hmm. overall. But if I wasn't, I'm like, would you have still kept that information for me? And I think there's a lot of what if things sure. that can happen. What if I'd known my father from the beginning? What if my life had been different? How would things have changed? So yeah, I would say that as far as the relationship with my family goes, with my parents, it's a work in progress. Why they made the choices that they made. And I hope that someday we can get back to some normalcy, Mm -hmm. but it's been, it's been rough. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're so like, this is so new. Your focus right now is yourself. How am I, you know, like, how am I getting through this? Like making sure you're okay through this whole thing and taking care of yourself through this, this whole process. Cause you've got so much to unlearn and to learn and new family, new personalities, new, there's so much newness. And then also in addition is like, I have a hard time identifying with my Filipino side, even though I present Filipino, I wasn't brought up or raised in that culture. So it's, I can see how, how confusing things could be and where you feel the right to identify in a certain way or not. And it's, unfortunately, that's what we have to do. (laughs) You know, we have to 
find our, you know, I mean, even though there's so much more to us, but there is still, yeah, there is. Yeah. We, we want a place where we, where do we belong, you know? And. Oh yeah. Yeah. The biracial experience is so weird anyway. Right. And I remember listening to that episode yeah. and texting Megan and being like, yes, I understand <laughs> everything Raina's saying. Yeah. And yes, now I feel like even more sort of it, but it's weird. It's like, in some ways I feel more estranged from how I can identify. Mm-hmm. And then in other ways, I'm like, no, this makes more sense. Mm-hmm. This feels good. right. Good. Good. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> this whole mm-hmm. thing is just like, you have the rest of your life to like now learn these things. And I know, you know, with the what ifs, and I think that happens with any sort of trauma or traumatic events, you know, and then there comes a point where it's like, well, it did happen. Now what, you know, um, exactly. And you have a choice whether how you want to move through it and navigate through it. And so what you've done is just so just honorable. It's just like wanting to learn more, like really taking it on and embracing it as opposed to hiding from it, you know? Thank you. Yeah. Well, I definitely credit therapy a hundred percent with helping me process all of this. I have an amazing, amazing therapist and, one of the first things we worked on was radical acceptance oh. and acknowledging that this shitty thing happened mm-hmm. and it happened. So mm-hmm. we can't change that. Yeah. Let's work through it and acknowledge that, that it is grief. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have a lot of grief still that I'm working through. I, I grieve the loss of, um, identity from a young age. I grieve the loss of a relationship with my biological father. I grieve the way that my relationship has changed with my parents. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of grief, but I think that that radical acceptance portion has been huge in helping me work through it. Good. good. Um, It's a part of my life. Mm -hmm. It's not my entire life. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can't change that it happened, Mm -hmm. but I can change the way that I act in certain situations, the way that I think about it and all of that. Mm -hmm. I'm really proud of you because first of all, just Alexis is someone for whom truth uh, matters and doing things the right way matters. And that's always been true. Um, the Enneagram one and a Virgo. And so like, don't come to Alexis with any like lying, secret keeping bullshit. It's never going to fly. And so I actually can't think of like a worse person to have a a, like deeply held family secret about you come out. (laughs) Like I, because your framework is so like truth, justice, honesty. And so it just like shook all of that. It shook that all up, but then you've come back to it, come back to yourself, come to a new understanding of yourself and then have taken it and done also the most like Virgo thing ever, which is like, turn it into a a podcast of your own. And you're really like building a community for other, uh, other NPEs to tell their stories. So you took this really devastating thing that happened that you could have hidden away forever. You could have not talked about it. You could have not decided to put yourself out there and make a platform for other people, but you did. And I'm I'm curious what the process of like interact becoming part of the community has been for you and like what it's like to take in other people's stories. Yours, I still think is the craziest one. Like I do remember early on some group that you joined and you were telling your story and some lady was like, uh, oh yeah, I I had a similar surprise. I my whole life I thought I was Irish, but I just found out I'm German, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> or it's like, are you kidding me, lady? But you yeah. could, you yeah. know. So I feel like your story has maybe like more complexity or more nuance to it than a lot of people's. But you've built this really great community of of other NPEs, and there's. I hear how fucked up people feel about it. So when I listen to, to DNA surprises, like how much it's hurt them, like what's it like for you to take that in? What do you, what meaning do you feel like you're making out of this together with them? 
Yeah. Yeah. So I think a lot of people were like kind of shocked because I started the podcast pretty quickly after my discovery, but I think it gave me a really great creative outlet. And it also let me connect with other people who had been through similar experiences because as common as this actually is, it's so isolating. So there are some other great NPE podcasts. I felt like, okay, there's room for more. I can do it my own way. And I just put out a call for guests saying, I want to do this. And luckily, some people trusted me with their stories and people continue to trust me with their stories. In the beginning, it was hard because I think I was still, well, I still am, but I was much more raw um, in the beginning. And I was also like overbooking myself because I was so excited to get it going. So sometimes I would talk to two or three people a day and I quickly realized, oh, I can't do that. I cannot do that. That is emotionally taxing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so validating to hear people that have been through similar experiences and to be there for people who just want some way to speak truth to their experiences and Really, my goal with the podcast is just to reduce a lot of the shame and stigma that's associated with this, because I truly believe that if we didn't have secrecy and shame and stigma around sex in our culture, Mm -hmm. that these things would be less likely to happen. Mm -hmm. Because why does a mother decide not to tell their child or tell their husband that they cheated, right? That's a common, that's a common thing. Um, is is somebody had an affair? Mm -hmm. Um, why do parents of donor conceived children wait until their, their child takes a DNA test to admit that they use donor sperm or donor egg? Mm -hmm. It's because there's shame and stigma around fertility issues Mm -hmm. and, you know, same thing with adoption. And so to me, the more stories that get out, and hopefully reduce some of that, that stigma. Mm -hmm. So that's like my pie in the sky, big dream is that there are no more people like me Mm -hmm. in the world in the future. (laughs) And then for the community, I think it's just letting people know that they're not alone. This is common. And I think there's just power in telling stories and connecting through stories and, and hearing other people that have gone through it. Um, I try to show people that or interview people that have been at various stages. So there's people that I've spoken to that they found out 10 years ago. There's people that I've spoken to that they found out four months ago, but they reached out and they want to tell their stories. So hearing people at different points, different circumstances, all of it just helps normalize it. Has that helped you figure out like, like do's and don'ts for loved ones or friends, I guess like the first don't is don't lie to your child about (laughs) um, who their parents are. But if you did and your kid is finding out, or if you're a friend of someone like what, what is the like advice for how to support someone that's going through this? I think um, it's just being there to listen to say, and Raina, you did this uh, actually before we started. You said, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Mm. That's a great thing to say to somebody. Something that's not a great thing to say to somebody is, well, it doesn't really change anything because your dad's still your dad. I heard that. And a lot of people have heard that. Mm. And I understand what people are trying to say. Like these are not, people are not being malicious with, with their platitudes, but it does change everything. And I never said that my dad wasn't still my dad. My dad is still my dad. I call him dad. Mm -hmm. That will never change, but it does change (laughs) everything else. And the way that I think about myself and the way that I connect with these new people in my life. And so to me, it's just really stop and think if you are in their shoes, what would you want to hear? Does this actually seem like a compassionate thing to say? And and I think even more than that is is what you're saying invalidating somebody's experience. So going into, oh, well, 
I had a cousin who was raised by their aunts. Does not help me. <laughs> I'm <in> crisis. Like, <laughs> I understand that it's happened to other people, but that doesn't help me in the moment. Yeah, it's just listening. Yeah, and saying I'm I'm sorry that happened. How are you? Totally. Yeah, I think that sort of goes for like all things grief. Um, we've talked about grief a lot on this podcast, more so the first season and second season, but. There's like that rush to comfort or to like take like the urge to take away the pain, which you can't do. Mm -hmm. So you might as well just be in it with the person instead of trying to like offer something to solve it. But I think I even said that to you that first day. I was like, oh my God, well, okay. But like your dad is, your dad still will love you. He's still your dad. Like my brain was doing the opposite of what I just said, like racing for like, what do you say? And I was like, (laughs) I was like, I've never had a friend with this experience before and you just totally default to that bullshit. You, yeah. Yeah. And it's totally, you get into just wanting to fix it, to make it go Mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. And really you can't. I'll say, I don't remember you saying that, Megan. Well, that's because you were disassociated. (laughs) So I shouldn't have told on myself, but I, (laughs) I do remember that. And then later when you've been like putting out like really good information on how to support someone, I'm like, oh yeah, like that's, maybe the DNA surprise equivalent of he's in a better place now to someone that's just lost, lost a loved one, like just a, mm-hmm. a plat. like, yep, technically that might probably is true, but that platitude is unhelpful. So yes. Yeah. And then yeah. for people that have had cross-cultural discoveries, the whole, mm-hmm. oh, it doesn't matter. There's oh God, race, it does race matter. Is a construct. <laughs> race is a social uh, construct. Like, yeah. God, like, that that doesn't help either. Yeah. 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 You've got like a double, triple whammy, you know, like yeah. fuck, that's a lot, you know. And yeah, and I do think people and we're all guilty of it, wanting to take away the pain and trying to make the other person feel better or try and that that is because you're you're, you're in your own discomfort with this situation, totally. you know, cause you don't want to see your friend, your loved one in pain, you know? So, um, yeah. So the biggest thing that I've learned too, is just, yeah, acknowledge the pain, acknowledge the shitty situation and then try, then listen, you know, that's, that's something that we all can do, right. <laughs> just listen yeah. to, to what the, the other person has to has to say or not say, or just be there in in general. I mean, again, like I said, this is, and I can't even imagine any of this, but I know it's going to be like a a long journey, (laughs) you know? Um, It's crazy what your parents decide to to tell you and not to tell you. And they have no idea, like they can't possibly imagine the impact that would have on you Mm -hmm. later on in life. Cause you know, I don't think they would do it to, to hurt you, they think they're protecting you, but you have a right to your own life and what, you know, make that decision, what you're capable of knowing and not knowing, you know? Yeah. That's the big thing. We have the right to know our genetic identity. Yes, absolutely. Well, that was like, I think maybe the last thing I wanted to just ask you to touch on is, um, is there anything that the DNA testing, the commercial DNA testing companies should be doing? Like, do they have an ethical responsibility here to warn people of the harm? This is kind of, it's a double-edged sword. Like you have the right to know, we all have the right to know. And at the same time, these companies are making fucking bank um, off of people's DNA curiosities and DNA discoveries. And I just wonder, like, is there any corporate responsibility there? Does it not matter? Has anybody sued? I'm just curious, like, I don't know the ethics of like at-home DNA testing. Gosh, you know, it's something I think about fairly often. And I swing back and forth, to be honest, because, you know, we know we're taking a test and we're going to get DNA information. I don't think anyone's expecting that this is going to happen. I think there might be some tiny, tiny disclaimer about like, you may uncover something surprising, sure. but it's not, you, you don't know. Yeah. Um, and they have links to certain groups and stuff kind of buried on their web pages and stuff like that. 
I personally feel that there is a corporate social responsibility because this can cause such a major, major mental health crisis as a result of getting a DNA surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not just for fun. It's not doing a DNA test for your dog where you thought that they were like a purebred German shepherd Mm -hmm. and they end Mm -hmm. up having some lab in there or something. Like this is a complete upheaval of somebody's life. And I think that they could be doing more to educate and support the community, even if it's just connecting them better with resources. Um, maybe it's being a little bit clearer upfront about possible outcomes. Yeah. And not just painting it as this happy, fun, learn something new and exciting about yourself because that's not all it is. It's mm-hmm. just not. When you think about anything else that can really cause harm to people, there are warnings that are a little clearer, you know, right? Mm-hmm. Even you watch a TV show. And they'll put a warning on top, you know, what you're going to about to watch. And like I said, they have warnings. How many people have really seen them though, because of where they're located in their emails and stuff. I never saw, I did it. I did it. I think it was 23 and me or something a while ago. And I did not notice that at all. I honestly would never, ever think that like I have, like my sisters have done ancestry. Like I just, I would never, that's just not something that immediately comes, comes to my mind. It's like, oh, did you find out if we had another sibling or another p- parent? You know what I mean? Like we don't, you don't think that when you're doing right. yeah. tests, you're right. thinking like, what percent, I wonder if I, I wonder if I have any African descent in me, you know, like we always like, am I from Africa? You know, like, yeah. um, just like, yeah, supposed they play it out to be fun and exciting, which it is. And it is. also this could potentially right. happen. Um, and exactly that, the more like uh, awareness that we create with this, you know, if they're not going to do it, then w- we can do it, you know, with, you know, our voices and our pods and all of the things, but that's, yeah. I mean, crazy. I think even they could, when you get your results, mm-hmm. right. It could, they could have a little, I mean, I have a communications background, so instantly they could work and they plug stuff in and, mm-hmm. you know, when you get your results, it, it could be a little banner at the bottom. Did you find out something surprising mm-hmm. here? You click through. I'm not saying that they need to hire mental health professionals that are like on call that work for ancestry, but you could at least connect people with organizations that provide support to people. Yeah. And they do, but it's not prominent. And I think that's what's missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that like social they responsibility. They don't want to admit the dirty little secret, like the. Yeah. And it's not their yeah. fault. It's not. Yeah. But you know, they don't want right. to like, just bring attention to like all the things that you can find out. There's yeah. so much that there's so much you can learn about your family yes. and not all of it is going to be cute. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So that's that's what I would like to see is just a little Mm -hmm. bit more responsibility. I don't blame Ancestry for what I learned, you know, to be clear. And I think sometimes that's when I've had these calls for accountability, I think sometimes people are like, well, wait a second, it's not their fault. I'm like, no, I'm not saying it's their fault. I'm just saying Mm -hmm. you could warn people and you could connect them to resources. And I think that that's fair very simple too. Yeah. At Mm -hmm. least put a little blurb in there before, like for somebody to read before they decide to take the test, you know, this is what you're, this was things that you may find out, you know? Right. Or like a connection to like SAMHSA or like national mental health. I mean, I'm no fan of like better health or like the factory telehealth therapy that's out there right now, but you could, they could do like, did you find something disturbing? Here's a link here's a discount code to better health or a link to therapy den where you can find a therapist or something yeah that seems so simple that'd be a big win for them they should hire you (laughs) right (laughs) i'm available for consulting consulting. yeah (laughs) a link to your podcast (laughs) (laughs) dna surprises yes (laughs) well where can people find dna surprises how do they find it if they want to listen 
So Apple, Spotify, Google, all, all the podcast place, places, places you can find. Um, I also, so the podcast I think has generally a more serious tone because these are people that are basically recounting their trauma mm-hmm. of, of a DNA surprise. But I do try to bring some laughter, a little bit of lightness over on social media. So on TikTok, DNA surprises and Instagram, DNA surprises. Um, and just try to do some education and spread awareness about what this is like. Yeah, that's incredible that you're doing this. I just love when people like share their story, like it happened, but you're sharing your story to help other people, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just a beautiful thing and honorable thing that you're doing, Alexis. Thank Thank you. you Well, you both are doing the same thing with this podcast. So kudos to you both too, but thank you. Yeah. Our goals, all of our goal here is the same to try to erase that stigma and the shame that comes with some of these, you know, traumatic events um, and just create more awareness and love and light. And it's all pretty heavy, but we're also, there's a lot of light there Mm -hmm. too, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think just as days go by or years to come, you're going to have so many more stories to share and, you know, be very interested in hearing them on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Or just in life in general. And we should all hang out sometime. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, I just got to say, I'm so proud of you. I can't believe how far you've come in just a year with this and the way that you've connected to your uh, family, your biological family, dad's family, and just like dove in. I was like, damn, she's like, wait, she's going for a visit. Wait, she's at a wedding. What? <laughs> like, okay. Like she's really going for it. And it was so cool. It was just cool to see you just saying, okay, I, I guess that's the radical acceptance piece, just embracing it and figuring out what it means now. And that was yeah. really, it's just proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, speaking of where to find podcasts, Brina, where can the people listening find us out in the world? Oh, they can find us on the Instagram at sh- underscore don't talk about it pod. That's sh- with three H's. We say this every time. Um, every time. <laughs> or they can email us at <laughs> info at sh- don't talk.com. I still, I forget the Instagram handle every time, sorry, (laughs) but that's where you guys can find us. (laughs) Yes. That's where you can find us. If you have any questions for, for Alexis, of course you can hit her up on her DMS. Um, I just put that out there, but I'm assuming on DNA surprises. (laughs) Yes, totally. On DNA surprises are open. Yes. (laughs) Or you can DM us and we'll, we'll alert Alexis, (laughs) but yeah, this has been such a incredible and fascinating story and experience that you've shared with us today. I mean, I've, I learned about it when it happened and, but I didn't know much more, but now that I do, it's just, it's still so incredible. And I can't even, I don't know. I'm proud of you too, Alexis, for just diving (laughs) right in and like not hiding or shying away from it. So that takes, that takes a lot of courage. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Inspiration friend. Thanks for being here. Yes, thank you. (laughs) All right. All right. We'll see you all next time. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.